Uh, I want to read something that you might have heard before. Uh, it's a famous passage of scripture. You might have heard it read at a funeral, read it on a coffee cup. You might have heard it at some kind of ceremony. It's the 23rd Psalm. Turn, if you have a Bible, to Psalm 23. If not, it'll be up on the screen. I want to read it. I'm going to preach from that today. I'm just going to jump in. I'm going to read it. It says this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left. Oh, Coolio? Because I've been loving and blasting so long that even my mama thinks that my mind has gone. No? See, I ain't ever crossed a man that didn't deserve it. Me be treated like a punk, you know, that's unheard of. You better watch how you're talking and how you're walking. Or you and your homies might be lying with chalk. That's a different psalm altogether. Uh, psalm 23. Let's get back in there. Fun fact, I did that at a youth rally. And they all looked at me like, what is this old guy doing? I have never heard that song. Little gangsta's paradise. Look it up, kids. Been spending most my life. Anyway, way to ruin the moment. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, this is good, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Father, we thank you today for the power of your word. Lord, we ask by the power of your word, through the presence of your spirit, would you open our eyes to see a Jesus, to see a God we did not know was there. We pray this in the mighty, matchless name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Hey, as you sit down, turn to three or four people, give them your best Coolio impression, and then you can have a seat. Go ahead. Oh, I'm hearing some rap going on. There have been many things said from this pulpit. I'm quite convinced that's the first time you and your homies might be lined in chalk was the first time that's ever been said and will be the last time you have my word. We're going to do this 23rd Psalm for the next six weeks. We're going to unpack it in depth. Uh, this, um, this weekend, I had put my lawnmower on Kijiji and I had a person come and show up at my door to pick it up and I helped them get my lawnmower on the back of his truck and after we kind of put the tailgate up, I proceeded to invite him to King's Church to come uh, and participate with us in the God Is series and I handed him a, a God Is invite card and he took it and he goes, oh, church, huh? And I'm like, yeah, church, you should come out and he goes, well, if I went to church, you ever heard this one before? Maybe you said this as your friend brought you here. If I went to church, the place would probably Probably burn down, yeah, fall down, burn down, implode, blow up, whatever. Code being, I can't go to church. And I said to him, I fired back, I said, oh, you don't know what our church is like. And then I said, and more importantly, you don't know what my God is like. And I want you to know you can come to church. I go, actually, I'm the preacher. He goes, you're the preacher? 
I'm like, yeah, man, come on. Like, we're all messed up. Come on. Like, we, come to church. And I, he said, well, listen, I, I believe in God. I believe in God, he said. But and this, is, this is so typical of where most people are at. He said, I believe in God. I just don't, you know, I don't know what I think about him. Like, I, I believe, and I, he said, I, I don't think this is all coincidental. I don't think that there's just nothing behind all of this. I don't think life is meaningless or purposeless. I just don't know when it comes to who God is. I, I don't know how to quantify or qualify. I have no idea. How do you know who God is, is what he said. He couldn't have set me up better for what this series is going to be. Because here's what we're going to try to do. We're going to look at the scripture to see what it says about who God is. And I'm hoping that as we cover what we're going to cover, you're going to come to see a God who is more present, more real, and better than you thought he was. And so we're going to jump into this, and to do so, we're going to read the 23rd Psalm, because it's a very popular text, that's one reason, but the other reason is this, we have a first-hand account of someone's testimony about who they discovered God is. The 23rd Psalm was written by a man named David, he was the king of Israel, an actual historical person, this isn't some fable, this is not Middle Earth, this was not written by Samwise Gamgee, this is a real person, a real king in the history of Israel, his name was David, and David writes this psalm, a psalm is like, there are, there are some that were put to music, some are journal entries, some are songs, some are poems, but they're all these real life, real uh, talk, uh, Moments and descriptors of God and a relationship with him. And 23rd Psalm is probably the most famous of them all. And it's in this that David, King David, writes his honest confession of who he believes God is. And I want to look at that to help us understand something about God. Something that the Bible tries to help us understand about who God is. And it's this, and I'm going to give you the answer before we even unpack it. And that is that the Bible in the 23rd Psalm is going to implore you to believe something about God. Not just that he is, but that God is good. And when I say the word good, I don't just mean good like we said, like the nacho cheese at Fall Fest was good. Like that's not what I mean when I say good. I mean he is the standard on goodness. In fact, he's gooder than you think he is. He is good in every way. He's good to us. He's good for us. He's good with us. He's good in us. He's good through us. He is good in every possible way. And this is what we see in the 23rd Psalm when we see King David. Now you got to understand something about David. David was probably, until Jesus, the most famous, influential king in the history of Israel. His story is amazing. If you ever have time to go read First and Second Samuel, you'll find all about David. He's got the most incredible story. He went from being a shepherd boy one day to being anointed as the next king of Israel the next day. And then not long after that, we find him in battle, taking out, you might have heard this story before, Goliath the giant. David was known as the giant killer. Just as a young man, he killed a giant, and then he ended up being, becoming this war hero before he became the king of Israel. I mean, in worldly terms, David had absolutely everything. You want to talk about, like, rising to the top of the heap. David, like, some people are almost annoying how much, like, giftedness they have. David was that guy. He was talented. 
He was a musician. He was a poet. He was tough. He was a warrior. He was a fighter. He was a leader. The Bible even says the guy was good looking. That's not even fair. Not even fair, like how amazing this guy was. He had everything, and yet he had climbed to the top, but he'd also been through some valleys. He had seen some very, very dark days. He had done some very, very dark things and gone through some major loss. And so as a human being, David had climbed the highest of heights and he had been as low as you possibly can go. And it's on the backdrop of this that we find David pen these words and he says this, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Now the word Lord, and I'm not going to dive as deep as you think I am, but just bear with me. The word Lord in here is loaded. Every word in this text is loaded. The word Lord is the word used, that the Jews used to use, Jehovah. And Jehovah translates loosely as the one, or the existing one, or the only one. The, the Jews believe this, and David is affirming this, that there is only one God. There are not a myriad of gods. There's not a bunch of options. You know, it's not a God platter. You can't spin it and pick which one looks best this day or that day. If God truly is the almighty, he is the only almighty. There's only one God, David's saying in that, that statement, the Lord. He's saying Jehovah, the one, the one who created the heavens and the earth, the one that put breath in our lung, the one that decided that Everest would be this high, the one that decided that an atmosphere would hold in the oxygen, the one that decided that I'm going to make rainforests, I'm going to make tides, I'm going to make them really high in the St. John area. The one decided that. There's one God. And so David's saying there is one God. He is the Almighty. He is high and exalted, high and lifted up. There is a God. There is a creator behind everything. He sustains everything. Everything is for him and by him and through him. There is one God. You got to get a load of it. And then he says this, and the way that I understand God first, the one, the Lord, is my shepherd. Now, for David, that is a very loaded word. For us, now, I'm not convinced there's any shepherds in the crowd. Maybe, maybe in at Halifax, maybe we've got like a whole like family of shepherds. I don't know. But any shepherds in the building? Probably not. None of us have extensive shepherding experience. So we're going to need to unpack this a little bit more as to what David is really saying. Because this is a loaded thing to call God the good shepherd. Uh, about a week ago, I was on the internet and a quiz, a pop-up quiz came. And it said, uh, find out your spirit animal. Someone's like, what kind of church is this? Bear with me. You take a quiz and it basically gives you a description as you answer these questions. It, it gives you a description of what animal attributes you have the most and what you're the most like. And so I went ahead and I did it to find out what my spirit animal was. And I did the quiz and I found out to my delight... I am the king of the jungle, y'all. I'm a lion. Rah! Yeah, I think I got a picture. That's me. That's me right there. I am a lion. When I the, 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 the test rings true. I mean, it's, it is what it is. It says on the test, it says, the lion is a relentless fighter in the face of challenges. He is courageous and strong in overcoming difficulties. Yeah, he is also wild and hard to control. My parents are here. They're like, hey, yeah, that one, yeah. I was a lion. Here, how, let me ask this question. How would you describe yourself 
If you were to look at like the animal kingdom and say, what animal, what's my spirit animal? What animal am I cl- most closely described to? If I had time to walk through all the, all the people here and give you the mic, you'd probably come up with something. Maybe one of you would be like, you know what? I've always viewed myself as a bit of a one-man wolf pack. Um, maybe there'd be others. I'm a cougar. No, no cougars. Uh, no cougars? Okay. Uh, but maybe you'd be like, I'm a bear. I'm a dolphin because I'm, I'm loyal and smart and majestic. And you'd come up with something But here's what David is saying in his declaration, and here's what the Bible is getting at. When it comes to your spirit animal, this is what you are. We have a slide. (laughs) Sheep is your spirit animal. This is what the Bible, and this is what King David is saying Of the whole animal kingdom, what best describes the human condition? Sheepness. You're a sheep. Now, none of you would have selected that, right? Why? Because sheep are the most pathetic, needy, dependent animals on the planet. Are they not? Like, a sheep is utterly helpless and hopeless. And you don't ever aspire to be a sheep. When you were a kid playing games and you were deciding, hey, let's be an animal, none of you picked, I'll be the sheep. None of you did that. Uh, When you were selecting sports teams, my kids are now on little sports teams and they're picking their names and some of the names are really crazy and and wild, but I have yet to encounter any of them say, we want to be the sheep. No one does that. You're the bears or the sharks or the jaguars. You're not the sheep. Sheep are helpless, hopeless animals. They aren't impressive. They aren't excellent. You have not seen an, uh, an extraordinary sheep, have you? Like we don't see public servant sheeps. Like, there's no such thing as a seeing eye sheep, right? Like, they're not helping the blind. They're not helping. There's, there's no therapy sheep. Like, we're not seeing that happen. There's no such thing. You've never read in the news where it said, four lost hikers rescued by brave sheep. You've never read that before because sheep are pathetic animals. They are utterly dependent Like they are entirely domestic. You have never been driving down the road and spotted a wild pack of sheep. They do not exist. They are entirely dependent, entirely domestic. They are farmed animals. They are raised and cultivated. And if not for human help, they will inevitably die. Sheep cannot find their way to food. Sheep are not hunters. They aren't gatherers. They aren't farmers. They aren't fishers. If you don't show the sheep where to eat and what to eat, it will not eat and it will die. Sheep are utterly defenseless. They have one defense mechanism, ba and run. That's it. That's all they can do. And they're not even fast. They're slow. They are like a four-legged buffet for the animal kingdom. That's what they are. They are slow and helpless and defenseless. And with all due respect to our great woolen friends, they are dumb. They are. They they need help to be guided. In fact, many sheep, they just wander off and they get into the worst of scenarios. That is why there is such a thing as a shepherd because shepherds were the ones to watch and make sure that the sheep stayed where the sheep were supposed to be because sheep have a tendency to wander off track and to get themselves in trouble or get eaten or get broken or get stomped on or what have you because they're defenseless. And I don't want you to miss the significance of David saying The Lord is my shepherd. Now, if you looked at David, you'd say that's an exceptional human being. I mean, that guy's got the goods. If anybody wasn't a sheep, it's King David. And David says, you know what? 
I have climbed the highest mountain and I have been in the darkest valley. I have been the richest you could possibly be. I've experienced power, money, sex, fame, everything you could experience in life. And I have figured out that on my best day in my A game, I am at the end of the day a needy, dependent individual. I'm a sheep. David is declaring a fact. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, that we are sheep and we need a shepherd. That as human beings, we are sheep and we need a shepherd. Now there's popular opinion in our culture and your mom probably told you, you can do anything. You know what, if you're in sports, they probably use language like, yeah, that young man has unlimited potential. The language we use is hilarious. The reality is you do not have unlimited potential. You can't do anything you put your mind to. Don't follow your dreams or your heart. What kind of church is this? This guy's a jerk. The truth is about humanity is that we're actually sheep. And I don't know how many celebrities we need to see flame out or take their own lives before we realize there's no amount of fame that will take away the fact that there are things that we just can't do for ourselves. There are things that elude us. Think about, think about the sheep for a second. Sheep can't find food on their own. Sheep, they will die unless someone outside of them brings them to the stuff that will help them continue to live. Do you know that's our problem as human beings? That's the problem in every human, that there are hungers and desires and things inside of your soul that you know innately I cannot satisfy in and of myself. You did not come out of the womb feeling like I've got this, I'm good, I've got all that I need. We realize when we are born, from the moment we are children, even in the shelter and protection of our own parents, that there's something inside of our souls that is hungry and thirsty, and I need to find it. And so we go around the world just like sheep, seeking out affirmation, seeking out acceptance, seeking out you know, community. We seek out experiences. We seek out joy and happiness. We look for those things because you can't produce them yourself. And you don't have to be a Christian here today to know that that's true. That there are feelings and there are senses and there are hungers and cravings in your soul, thirsts in your deepest being that no matter what you do, you can't satisfy it in and of yourself. And get this, you aren't even good at finding good food when you do look for it. How many of you have gone from job to job to job to job hoping that this would be the one that finally makes me feel better? Or you've run from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship hoping that this will finally fill the hole in my heart because I just need someone who loves me and accepts me for who I am. Or you run from experience to experience to experience because you just have to do something that makes you feel alive. There are kids now that are compulsively cutting themselves just to check that's because we are sheep and we need a shepherd and there are things about our lives that we cannot satisfy in and of ourselves. You are dependent. I am dependent. David says, you know what? I got needs. And I have needs no matter where I look and where I turn, any way that I try to make it happen, it just seems that I'm always hungry and I'm always thirsty. I am a sheep. I need a shepherd. Bible says in Isaiah 53 that we all like sheep have been led astray. We are dependents. And get this, the world's a scary place for a sheep because sheep are completely at the mercy of the elements, aren't they? Like sheep are not battling off a pack of wolves. It's over. 
Sheep are going to be in a hailstorm. They're not going to be able to fend their way out of that. It's a scary place because there are forces in the world for sheep that frankly can take them out at any given time. And you don't have to be a Christian here to realize that's true of you too. It doesn't matter how much money you have. doesn't matter how much power you have. doesn't matter how much control you have. There are forces in this world that you are just at the mercy of. And cancer doesn't care how much money you make. Disaster and bad luck, quote unquote, doesn't care how much control and power you have or who you are. Death is no respecter of persons. Death has never showed up at someone and said, well, you're remarkable. I'm going to lay off you. That's because we are sheep. And there are forces in this world that no matter what you do, you will not be able to overcome. It will overcome you. You see, we're sheep and we need a shepherd. We're also sheep in the sense that we get lost, don't we? Like, I, let, let me be honest. Have you ever had a season in your life where you start following down the road with something? You start chasing this, ooh, look at that. And you start chasing this thing down the road. And then you wake up one day and you say this question. Have you ever had this? How did I get here? How did I get here? And you start to look back over and you're looking at all the choices you made and all the steps that you took and you're like, you are disoriented and lost. And that's why in our world, we live in a world of hopelessness and despair and anxiety because this world is a scary place and we are sheep and we wander off and get lost. David makes this declaration. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm a sheep. David's the most powerful man out of anybody that's listening to my voice right now. There's nobody that has the power and influence and, and control and talent and good looks that David has. And David realized there's no money in the world. There's no army in the world that's going to save me. I need a shepherd. And so here's where it becomes amazing because I'm going to unpack what he means by this. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, what does he talking about. Now, something you'd have to understand about the 23rd Psalm. We're going to unpack this for the next six weeks. We're not going to go super far today, but I want you to get where he's going with this. The 23rd Psalm is actually part of a three-part trilogy. Trilogies are awesome, right? Best trilogies, Matrix Trilogy, Lord of the Rings Trilogy, Star Wars Original Trilogy, Lights Out. Born Supremacy, Born Trilogy, Solid. Good things come in threes. It's just a fact. And so does this psalm. It's part of a three-part trilogy. Psalm 22, Psalm 23, Psalm 24. And they are what are known as messianic psalms. What's that? It's speaking about Jesus. David, a thousand years before Jesus is born, is actually speaking forward to Jesus. Do you want to know something about the Bible? Maybe you're new to all this. Maybe someone just handed you a Bible for the first time. Do you know what this book's about? The whole thing, all of the old part that's hard to understand is about Jesus. It's all pointing to Jesus who is the revelation of God. My friend Tony said, how do I know what God is like? The answer is Jesus. Colossians says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. That he is God in the flesh. God with a bod. That's what Jesus is. That's who Jesus is. And the Old Testament is all speaking about the coming of Jesus, 
The beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is all about when Jesus came and what he did and what he accomplished. The book of Acts is all about Jesus going out through the church all over the earth. And then the rest of the Bible are letters to the church. And then the very end of the Bible, the book of Revelation, what's that about? You're like, yeah, I tried to read that. I was confused. Here's what it's about. Same thing. It's about Jesus and what he's going to do. The whole book is about Jesus, and so is Psalm 23. In fact, Jesus one time went on the record and he said, here's how you can understand me. Think of me like this. Look, at, look in John chapter 10. I want you to look at this and, and hear Jesus describe himself. We're asking the question, who God is? And I'm proposing to you that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God. When, when David says the Lord, he's speaking about Jesus who is Lord. And it says, Jesus said this. John, John 10 verse 7. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep have not listened to them. There are false shepherds, he's saying. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved, and they will come in and go out and find pasture. That sounds good. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, and I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Did you hear that? Why did Jesus come? Why did the shepherd, he says, I'm the good shepherd and here's why I'm here. I have come that the sheep, who's, who's sheep? We're the sheep. Everybody, we're all sheep. Jesus says, I have come for sheep. And the reason I've come for sheep is to give them life. Not just life, they're dependent, but life to the full. The word there is the Greek word zoe. And zoe means abundant, jubilant, overflowing life. Is that the Jesus you heard of? That's who God is. Jesus, the good shepherd, he's come that you would experience life and life to the full. If you ever want to know what's this whole Jesus thing about, there it is, John 10, 10. I have come that you would have life and life to the full. That's the message of Jesus. I've come for you to have life. That is amazing news. He says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. What's God like? He's good. He's good. I am the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. That's how good he is. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. And then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. He's setting that up. He's saying that the hired hand does not care for the sheep. But look what he says. I, here's how you can understand me. I, Jesus, am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. Do you know that Jesus knows you? He knows your name. He knows the hairs on your head. Some of you, that's a lot less than the next, but he knows them anyway. He knows you. Isn't that incredible? Like when you think about God, don't you think of him like this far away? I could never know him. How do I know, know him? Jesus says, I am God. I'm the good shepherd and I know my sheep. Whew. He knows you. The sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay my life down for the sheep. Here, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Jesus is the good shepherd. And he is the one that we are looking for. He is the one that we need. Like for all of our sheepness, Jesus is the answer. 
That's what he's saying. He's saying, okay, understand your life like this. You're sheep, I'm the shepherd. You need me. If you come to me, you will have life and life to the full. You'll find green pasture. You'll come in and you'll come out. You'll find joy, life, and peace. I'm the good shepherd. I'm not gonna run out on you. I'm not leaving you. I'm no hired hand. You're my sheep. I know you by name and I'll lay my life down for you. That's God. That's what God is like, the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd, and he is the one you have been searching for your whole life. David says in Psalm 23, he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What does that mean? Some of you are thinking, well, I best not want stuff. That's not what it's saying. Another translation says it better. I lack nothing. Another translation says it like this. Because the Lord is my shepherd, because I've found the good shepherd, I have everything I need. Like all of my wanting, all of my longing, all of my needs, everything I could ever ask for has been satisfied in the shepherd. What a statement. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I don't want anything because I got him. I got everything. That's what David is saying. Yeah, but doesn't David have awesome stuff? Yeah, he has awesome stuff. And you know what? He had the revelation. He had the realization that it, he, that is actually God. It is actually the shepherd that his heart desires. There's this one psalm he wrote. It's this beautiful passage, this confession. He says this in Psalm 27, 4. He says, there is one thing I ask, one thing that I would seek, and that is to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, to gaze upon his beauty. The only thing that my soul will be satisfied with is knowing the shepherd. That's what he's saying. The Lord is my shepherd, and because I've found the shepherd, all of my needs, my needs are met. This doesn't mean that, you know what, God's going to help you find a parking spot. That's not what, it means that those soul cravings, those things deep in your heart, those things that never seem to go away, maybe you get a quick hit, a quick fix, and you satisfy it for a second, and then you're hungry again, those things are ultimately and only satisfied by the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Think about this. As sheep, we are utter dependents. We are dependent on something outside of us to provide for us the satisfaction in our souls. And David says this. Look what he says in verse 2. This is huge. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. What is he talking about? There's a few things you have to see here. First, he's talking about green pasture and still water in the sense of this. Refreshment. In the sense of nourishment. Fulfillment. He's talking about the good shepherd leads my soul in places where I can eat where I can receive what it is I'm looking for. The shepherd leans, leads me to green pastures and still waters. Because I know the shepherd, he leads me to where the food lasts. Jesus one time compared himself. He said, I'm the good shepherd. I lay my life down. I came that you would have life and life to the full. He said one time with his disciples, he said, uh, think of me like this. I'm the bread of life. Whoever receives of me will never hunger or thirst again. What a bold claim. Jesus is saying, I'm so good that if you come to me and you receive me, you will never hunger or thirst again. Your soul will be satisfied fully 
eternally. It will be entirely satisfied. This is the promise. This is why Jesus said, come to me, all ye who hunger and thirst. Come to me. Isaiah said, come and eat and drink. You don't have to pay. It's all paid for. Come to me and receive life and life to the full. This is what David's getting at. So you know what? The greenest pastures I've ever found, the stillest waters, the stuff that actually brings me life, it's in the shepherd. It's because of the shepherd. Here's another way to say it. Jesus just knows how to satisfy your soul better. I've found this to be true in my own life. As I've begun to understand and, and know Jesus and love him and trust in his goodness and come to his goodness, I've seen him begin to satisfy areas of my life that looked everywhere to be satisfied. I've also seen it in so many of our King's Church family and friends. But my, my buddy Adam, who's a pastor now on our team, he's, he's now running our Celebrate Recovery ministry and doing an amazing job and influencing literally hundreds of people every week in their own recovery from addiction. What's addiction? Addiction is looking to a substance to satisfy a hole in your soul that the shepherd was meant to satisfy. And so Adam knew that story all too well. And he was addicted to, to drugs. He went through a season of that. He was addicted to himself, he would say. He was addicted to, to success. And he ran from this thing to that thing to this thing and made a royal mess of his life. And then he found the shepherd and realized there is no higher high than King Jesus. And it's the one thing that has held him. And I've seen, I have seen in my friend, like the change in his life. I mean, is he perfect? No, he would say he's not perfect, but I have seen transformation. Why? Because he's learned to go to the good shepherd for satisfaction and fulfillment, to find that, that high, to find that feeling, to find that acceptance, to find that meaning. It's found in the shepherd. The shepherd has come that you would have life and life to the full. He's good with me. He gives us, he gives us refreshment. He, look what else he says. He says, he leads me beside still waters. It makes me lie down in green pastures. It leads me beside still waters. What else is that talking about? You see that picture? Now that picture in my mind is peaceful. It says he makes me lie down in green pasture. It's this. Sleeping like a sheep, baby. Like, you ever, like a sheep with a good shepherd is just not worried about it. And David's saying, he has led me in such a way that I'm literally not afraid of anything. That nothing is scaring me. I don't have anxiety. I'm not afraid. One time David wrote in Psalm chapter 3, it's, the most, it's crazy when you read it. He says, though enemies encamp about me and surround me, I lay down and sleep. Why? Because I know the shepherd. And the shepherd is the one that leads me beside still waters. This is what it's saying. The good shepherd is the one who provides rest for your soul. You ever had a week where you're like, I just want to breathe. I just want to sleep. I just want to stop worrying. If you know the goodness of the shepherd, you will know he has overcome everything you fear might overcome you. 
That's what Jesus is saying. He said in John 10, he said, there's that obscure thing where he says, I'm the gate. What's he talking about? Did you know that in Jesus' day, shepherds would actually lead the sheep into safety, oftentimes into a cave or some type of crevice, and then they themselves would lay in front of the gate. They would lay in front of their, their escape so that they would block them from getting out so they could sleep in safety and not wander out and get eaten by wolves or struck by lightning or whatever thing that that walking buffet is going to wander into. Says, so I lay my life down for the sheep. That's the gospel. Did you know that? The gospel. Jesus dying on the cross is more than just God saying, this is how much I love you, although he is. And you need to see that in the cross. The Bible says in Colossians, it says that Jesus disarmed the rulers and authorities of this world, making a public spectacle of them on the cross. What does that mean? It means that on the cross, Jesus absorbed everything that could, could, could threaten your life eternally. Jesus absorbed it on the cross so that you could pass through to safety. That's what the cross is. Jesus took on sin, shame, failure, disease, decay, death itself. He took it on the cross. That's what's happening on the cross. And he rises in victory. This is why Jesus said to his disciples in John 16, 33, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you would have peace. He says, in this world you will have trouble. You're a sheep. It's a rough place to be a sheep. But he says, fear not I have overcome the world. Bring that up, John 16, 33. I think we have that scripture. You need to see that. It's not on the screen. It says, in this world you will have troubles, but fear not, I have overcome the world. What's that saying? Jesus is saying, yes. You know what? Cancer is a big deal. Death is a big deal. Dysfunction is a big deal. But I'm a bigger deal. And I'm for you. So you don't need to be afraid. If Jesus had a cool black mic like I do, he would drop it. I'm not going to because I'm not Jesus and I can't afford to buy another one just like that. He could, but I want to be a better steward. But he's saying, I have overcome everything that could possibly overcome you. This is what Paul was getting at. Paul in Romans 8, you should read it sometimes. It's those beautiful passages of scripture. He says, that, he says that if God is for us, who can be against us? What can be against us? He says, should heights or depths or angels or demons or death itself, nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. The shepherd has me. You see, I can rest because the shepherd's got me. And he's the good shepherd and he's stronger. My dad's here at this service. I remember when I was a little kid, I, I've always had a hard time sleeping, always. And I can remember, like, I hated, I didn't like the dark. I didn't like going to bed. Uh, not that I had made a difficult time of it, but I just never slept well. I was always scared. I always had this anxiety. And the times I slept the best was when my dad was just outside the door. That's the picture painted here. It's, oh, I'll lay down and sleep. I can breathe. I can rest because I know the shepherd is leading me beside still waters that in the end he is bringing me through. So nothing, not even death itself can separate me from the shepherd. He's got me in his capable, everlasting, unshakable, unbreakable arms. Isn't that amazing? Like you think about, I'm just trying to find peace. How much of your life is reaction to fears that you have? How many of your decisions are made in a reaction trying to prevent a fear that you have from coming to pass? The invitation here is to trust the shepherd that he's got it. I don't got to worry about it. I'm just a sheep hopping around the pasture. That's all I'm doing. I'm not even worried about it. 
Isn't that an incredible picture? Not me dancing. I feel, I feel the spirit of my brother-in-law coming, and there's going to be a gif on the internet next week of this. Guaranteed. It's coming. My brother-in-law, for those of you who don't know, he's our tech director here, and he likes to give me a hard time, even though I'm his boss. I don't know why he thinks he can get away with that. But anyway, he is my shepherd so I can rest. And then look at this. It just gets even better. I'm going to be done in a second, I promise. It says in verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now watch this. He restores my soul. Note that word. It's not he makes me feel better. He medicates my soul. He numbs my soul. He restores my soul, it says. He entirely restores. He, re- he brings restoration, renewal, cleanliness, freshness to me. He restores my soul. And then watch this. There's a double piece here. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. What does that mean? Paths of righteousness. Does it mean like I'm a do-gooder now? Like that's not what that's saying. It means that Jesus, the shepherd, finds me in all of my broken, busted, needy sheepness with all the stuff that I've wandered through and all the things. And I've been lost over here and I've drifted off over there, walked through some mud over there, got some stuff on me over here. I've been through some things. And here's what the invitation is, that the shepherd finds you in all of your busted, broken up sheepness and gets you and gathers you up and cleans you up and restores you like new. Not only does he scoop you up and restore you, but he gives you a do-over and he sets you back on the right path. Go along, run along, have a life, have fun. That's what the shepherd does. That's the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus exchanges your rags for his righteousness. Like there's a scripture in Isaiah and it says, although our sins are like scarlet, He will make them as white as snow. It says, let's settle the matter, it says. Although our sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as as snow. He says, although your wool is like crimson, I'll make it as white as wool, he said. Your sins are like crimson, I'll make it as white as wool. See, Jesus restores. What do you do with all of your guilt? And don't sit here and look at me like you have none. Like you made no mistakes. That's what I love about David. David could have probably pretended like, yeah, I'm I'm the goods. Check me out. I'm a king. But David understood something that in the light of the good shepherd, I've been a bad sheep. A bad sheep. I couldn't couldn't resist. (laughs) So in the light of the good shepherd, I've been a bad sheep. I've done some stuff. And if you read his story, David cheated on his wife with his friend's wife and then had his friend murdered. Some of you are like, hey. I'm not that bad. Yeah, but here's the deal. The Bible says all of us like sheep have been led astray. Look what is how Peter says it in 1 Peter 2.24. He says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. Now, I know you're hearing that like a martyr, like that's something you got to do. That's not the invitation. The invitation is when you come to the shepherd, he restores your soul because he died. So you come and you exchange your death for his righteous life. That's what it's saying. That he makes you right. That we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep. All of us. The preacher. The worship team. 
the Bible study person, your grandmother, the person that you think's got it all together. Every one of us, we're sheep. And we've all gone through some stuff and we've all made mistakes. We've all, as the Bible said, fall short of the glory of God. And yet by his wounds, you have been healed. That's what the cross is accomplishing. It says, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. That's the invitation. The invitation is to realize that you're a sheep. To realize that you face things in this world and in this life that no matter what you pull together, you will be at the mercy of. And you have an invitation to bring all your sheepiness, all your neediness, all your brokenness, all your past mistakes, all the things that you've ever done, all the things that you wish for and long for, all of your fears, all of your anxieties, all of your shame, all of it. And you bring it to the good shepherd and you let him deal with it. That's the gospel. The gospel is the invitation to trust the shepherd, the overseer of your soul. So you hopefully are asking the question at this point, okay, that sounds good. So how do I find the shepherd? All right, I want that. I want to live. Everybody, we can establish this. You don't have to be a believer here today to say, I want to live. I want to find life. I don't want to die. I want to have eternal life forever and ever. I want to have fulfillment in this life. I want to have freedom from fears. I want to have freedom from shame and mistakes. I'll take that deal. Show me where to find the shepherd. So the question is, how do I find the shepherd? Here's the answer. You don't. You don't find the shepherd. The shepherd's not the one who's lost. You are. I am. I want to show you a story that Jesus told. Luke chapter 15. It says this in verse 1, Luke chapter 15. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered. Why did they mutter? Because they didn't think they were sheep. They didn't realize, they were proud, which Jesus says is the ultimate tell that you're a sheep because you think you're awesome. Number one tell is delusion, dumbness. The Pharisees and teachers of the law, they muttered and they said, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Look at the ones that this man goes with. Look at the type of people that this man, Jesus, hangs out with. Now we've established, we don't think that Jesus is just a man. These dumb sheep think that, but we don't believe that Jesus is just a man. So they say, look at, look at the types of people. Tax collectors, sinners, drunkards, adulterers. Every label you can put out there. Look at the types. Look at the types. Then it says in verse 3, Jesus spoke out to this and he said, he told them a parable. A parable is just a story to help you understand. It actually comes from the term to lay alongside, to bring a light to a truth that you didn't see. Now listen to what the good shepherd says. Watch the story he tells. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. 
Do you see that? When he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. He scoops it up, he picks it up, and he goes home. And then he calls his friends and his neighbors together. He's going to party. Rejoice with me. I've found the one. I found the one that was eluding me. I had the 99, but there was that one that I've been after. And I found him. I'm so excited, Jesus says. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. What's repenting is turning to the shepherd than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. He's saying there aren't 99 righteous persons. What is Jesus saying? We're sheep, we need a shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd and he's the one we've been looking for. But what's Jesus saying? He's saying, I'm the good shepherd and you're the one I've been looking for. Think about this God for a second. We have this preconceived notion that God is this far away, unfathomable, and in many ways he is distant, unreachable God, and I got to spend my life finding a way to get to him. That's what religion is. Religion is stacking some belief system or moral code on top of itself so that you can get back to God because you know that there is eternity in your heart and there's got to be a God out there. And Jesus says, no, you've got it all wrong. You've got me all wrong. God is not the God that you got to come to. I'm the God who leaves the 99 and I chase the one. You're the one. I am the one. We are the ones that he chases, that he leaves everything behind to find. So here's the question. Here's the question. How do I find the good shepherd? The answer is this. Stop running. You see, if you're like me in life, it's been a lot of this. Just running from this thing to that thing running over to this experience, this relationship, trying to justify myself this way, trying to get rid of that past mistake, trying to deal with this problem, trying to calm my fears and running away from that, trying to run towards success and be perceived as something awesome. Has anybody ever felt like that's your life, just running from one thing to the next? See, the invitation to know the shepherd is not to set on some new chase that, okay, now I'm gonna be an awesome sheep and I'm gonna find the good shepherd and I'm I'm gonna get to him. That's not the invitation. The invitation is to stop what you're doing and just surrender. Say, I'm the one. I'm the one who needs a shepherd. I'm the one who's messed up my life. I'm the one who's been lost. I'm the one who's wandered off. I'm the one who can't sleep at night. I'm the one that can't find anything to satisfy my soul. I need a shepherd. And this is the good news. Jesus has been pursuing you since the day that you were born. He has been running after you. And the invitation is to stop and in faith in a God that you can't see, but I suspect you can feel it in your heart and soul. You can hear him calling, hey, stop, come, come, stop. The invitation is to stop running, chasing this dream, chasing that thing, running from this fear and running from that fear and walking through that issue and that, and it's just to stop and say, Jesus, I'm gonna trust the shepherd with my life. And I'm going to believe that in you, I will lack nothing. You will lead me beside still waters. You will bring me to greener pastures. You will restore my broken, messed up soul. And you will set me on a path that I never imagined. That's the invitation. I'm the one. I'm going to ask you to stand with me for a minute. I want to pray together.
And I want to invite you, whether this is your first time or your thousandth time. See, I, I've been known to wander off even in my believing. And it's amazing, even in my lead pastoring, the times where Jesus, I hear him call and say, Brent, you're running again. You're running, you're trying to control something. You're chasing your own success and affirmation. And I want to just call, make a call to you. And I feel like this is the heart of God for today. I don't know if you just came here for the first time. You just rolled into East St. John or wherever you're hearing my voice. I feel like you need to hear the voice of the shepherd saying, you're the one I'm leaving everything to get. I am chasing you. I want to catch you and to scoop you up. I want to deal with the mess that you've made. I want to protect you from the things you're afraid of. And I'm going to lead you to places where you find your life is actually satisfying. The invitation is to trust the shepherd, to trust his goodness with all of my sheepness. That's the invitation. I'm going to ask that you'd bow your head and close your eyes for a minute. I want to give you an invitation to trust the shepherd today. This is a moment between you and God, so just respect that for the person around you. And if you would say you're here today and you realize like never before, okay, I don't have it all figured out. There are things, there's things fighting and warring inside of me. I've got some things I still need to figure out, but I hear the voice of the shepherd calling me. My, the Bible says, Jesus said, my sheep know my name. It's because Jesus is calling you. You're the one I'm preaching to right now. You're the one Jesus is calling. And if you'd say, you know what? I have been, I have been wandering off. I have been lost. I have made a mess. I need the shepherd. If that that's you, I want to count to three, and I want you to shoot your hand up in the air and say, hey, I'm the one. I'm the one. I'm done running. I'm the one. I need forgiveness. I'm the one. I need reconciliation. I'm the one. I need restoration. If that's you, I'm going to count to three. Everybody in at east, everybody west side, I want you to just shoot your hand up. One, the Bible says, call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Call out to the shepherd. That's what raising your hand is going to do. Two, the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Three, would you shoot your hand up and reach out to the shepherd today? Awesome. I see hands. Awesome. Shoot it right up. That is awesome. Shoot it up. Hands everywhere. Hands everywhere. Awesome. You're not alone. Isn't that a beautiful thing? You're the one, but you're not alone. Awesome. You can put your hand down. I think there are about 20 people just put their hands up. I don't know in the east, but that's, that's amazing. Do you know that right now, Jesus said, according to what that parable was, that there is more rejoicing in heaven than you could possibly imagine because you, we believe, were just born again. And so here's what I want to do. Yes. Here's what I want to do. I want to pray, and, and we're all going to pray. And you can just agree with me as I pray, because I'm, I'm the one too. And we're just going to pray, and we're going to reach out, and we're just going to ask the shepherd to scoop us up again. Maybe, maybe you're a believer here, and as I've been preaching, you realize, okay, I, I thought I was bringing my friend here to hear about this, but I needed the gospel all over again, and I have been running, and I've run through some stuff, and I've wandered off, and I've made, I've chased some things I shouldn't chase, and I hear the voice of the shepherd calling me to come and rest beside greener pastures and still waters where I will lack nothing. And if that's you, I want, I want you to just pray with me. Every head bowed and eyes closed. If you just want to reach your hand up, let's do it. Father, we thank you today. We thank you that you're the good shepherd. 
We thank you that we serve a God who is good, not an unknowable God, not a God that we can't fathom. Even though we can't fathom, you gave us your son who is the image of the invisible God that we can wrap our heads around the fact that God is good. He's so good that he's the good shepherd. He's the one that lays his life down for the sheep so that the sheep may live and find greener pastures. And so God, we're just saying right now that we here, we're your sheep. We need the life that only you can provide. We need the forgiveness that only you can give. We need the restoration that only your hands are able to put together. Lord, we need the protection that only you are able to give us. And so, Father, we just say, I'm the one, I'm the one, I'm the one, I'm the one who needs you. And so we give you our lives all over again. Lord, I pray for the one who's here today dealing with anxiety. We just declare that's broken in the arms of the shepherd. Lord, I I declare right now that the one who's here dealing with hopelessness, trying to figure out what do I do with my life, you have purpose in the shepherd. I declare right now that the one who is here who's chasing this high and that relationship and this thing, you have found what you are looking for in the goodness and grace of Jesus the shepherd. And so Father, we thank you that in everything you are enough, that your grace is sufficient, that our cup overflows, that surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of my life. And all God's sheep said, amen. Thank you, Jesus.